Hey guys, what is going on? We are in the zone. This is episode 169 today. Um, we're going to start it off with another negative note. And uh, today's going to be a little harsh. I'm going to be a little harsh on some players, but I'm going to start it off with number 34 on the Leafs. Been a little frustrating the last couple of weeks. They're the worst defensive team, arguably, since January 1st. Now, you could blame goal 10. You can blame the inexperienced defense between Sandy, I don't know, whoever you want to point the finger at, you could point the finger at, you have an opinion, but looking at that game, the outdoor game, it was looking pretty damn solid. I know Mrazek made a couple good saves, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know what the hell happened in the third period. They just came out. Obviously, we had to allow a shorthanded goal because we always do that, it seems like. What is, what's been going on with Mrazek? Do you guys think he genuinely wants to be playing here? Because I went to the game on Thursday, same individual effort. Guy gets pulled, allowing terrible goals, giving me Toscala type of vibes, Raycroft type of vibes. I was in the greens, and, man, the crowd was rowdy, booing the crap out of him, saying, we want him out of here. Um, is is it Has it gotten to a point where – Guys like Austin Matthews with that cross check have like had a, like enough is enough. Let me take my frustration out here. Or do you think that was more just a retaliation on the on the cross check from Darlene? Because I feel like Austin Matthews had a little more um, than just that. I think it was a little more than just Darlene hitting him. I think it was just the last couple of weeks uh, getting the better. And what do you guys think on the Matthews incident? You want that, buddy? Oh, yeah, this is uh, unfortunate for Matthews. He's on a pace there for uh, like 63 goals, they were saying. So this is going to take a hit there. But, uh, yeah, you can't be doing that. Like Rasmus Dahlin, of all people, like I think he should have uh, picked his battles there. You see Buffalo's goalie, Anderson, good pro, trying to bring everyone down there. But, yeah, Matthews gets suspended. Now I think it's two games. So the Leafs are in a little bit of trouble. They're going to have to rely on Mitchie now to pick up the scoring. I love the fucking battle, though, honestly. I mean, it's obviously a dirty cross-check, but um, for me, I just love seeing that out of your star players when they have a little fight back. They were going at each other pretty much all game. Matthews fucking laid him out briefly before that. And, uh, yeah, Buddy just got frustrated and almost fucking paralyzed him, so maybe take that out of the game. Two games is uh, it's reasonable. It's pretty fucking standard. So, um. Yeah, but it could be a combination, though, with the goaltending and the defense over the last, well, basically this year since the fucking year started. But for Darlene and Matthews, I, I personally love that battle. I want to see that more often with guys you don't really expect to get into it. Well, analysts were saying that the battle of Ontario is getting escalated now uh, based on that game. Rasmus Darlene has been pretty underwhelming since going to Buffalo. Uh it's not his fault. He's in Buffalo. They're, they don't have a lot of star power there. But in terms of, you know, what we saw between the two, especially Darlene, you know, a, a franchise type of defenseman, been compared to Hedman at times. And then you have Austin Matthews who's been there. He's been already with the Leafs for six years, and he's a, he's a pivotal name in the city. And do you think that this is going to be the beginning of a more heated feud, or do you think that the Leafs are just so much better than Buffalo that this still – has a ways a ways way to go um, before we see a classic old Ottawa and, and and Toronto type vibe because I loved what I saw between Darlene and Matthews. I'm just not sure with the amount of star power the Leafs have. I don't know if this rivalry could really um, hit its peak right now. I think it's still got ways to go. Um, I would love to see these two meet in the playoffs. That's where really that's really where rivalries uh, come to about. But like. Um, yeah, they beat us in this outdoor game, and I'm pretty sure they beat us like 5-1 a month prior, didn't they? Yeah, like, every game this year they've actually, at least that I've watched, they've they've taken it to us pretty badly. They beat us earlier too at home. It was the first game we had fans who beat us 5-1. So, yeah, they've, they've had our number. <laughs> so um, I want to see it rekindle, that rivalry. But, um, yeah, where Buffalo is as a franchise, it might take a little while, but that doesn't mean you roll over. Any team could fuck you up if you're off on any given night. And 
for some reason, the Sabres have been fucking us up. So if we can get back to a solid Leafs and Buffalo Sabres rivalry, that would be awesome. Oh, they're pretty close there with uh, what happened. Hopefully, Matthews, now when he comes back, he doesn't go in cadre mode and get suspended every other game. So for now, looks like the rivalry's alive and well. Maybe if Buffalo ever makes a playoffs, we can see it. But uh, it would be fun to see if uh, Toronto and Buffalo in a playoff series, first round, home at home. That would be a great atmosphere for both teams. Yeah, I want to just quickly move on to uh, the standings. I'm looking at the standings in the NHL. The Leafs right now, they sit pretty comfortably. They're only three points, believe it or not, behind Tampa Bay. And even though they've been terrible defensively, they're still somehow managing to stay afloat in the top three in the Atlantic. Uh, Before we went live, we were talking more about the standings. And it's basically set in stone at this point. But Boston, has ca- they've caught up to the Leafs. They're only two points behind right now. Do you guys see – I know this is far-fetched probably. Can you see a team like Tampa Bay falling out of the second seed? They're only three points ahead of Toronto and only five ahead of Boston. What do you, what do you think of that race? Because we know that the top eight teams are set in stone in the, in the Eastern Conference. We were basically laughing about it. There's no race there. Um, but do you, do you guys see Boston potentially – you know, climbing and maybe getting that second, third seed, or is Tampa Bay just resting their guys at this point and they're going to go full throttle come playoff time? <laughs> um, I don't know if they're resting, <laughs> but um, Boston or Toronto definitely could pass Tampa. I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the standings now. Florida, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Florida. They've been amazing. They're still there too. They got 86 and then it's really close. It's it's really going to come down to like one long winning streak at this point. There's a couple of months left. So yeah, like I can even see like, like Florida can drop too. Like it's really close, but between the eight teams, like there's no fucking race here. <laughs> can you imagine Toronto ends up in a wild card? Oh my God. Would it be surprised at this point? That would be Florida or Carolina. Oh, Freddie Anderson. Yeah, he would be motivated. Oh, shit. (laughs) You have Mrazek versus Freddie in the first round. (laughs) Who you taking? Oh, Freddie all day. Mrazek all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, because I was just looking at the standings, and that kind of intrigued me. We're talking about no races for the playoff race, but then you look at the Atlantic division, and it's a pretty good race. It's not going to lie. It's pretty... It's going to come down to the wire. I love the seedings. Anything can change at this point. If, t- if the Leafs play Tampa right now, oh, God. <laughs> I don't really know if we'll win two games there. But, uh, you know, I-, I love everything that Matthews and Martyr have done this year. They've elevated their game. We've continuously talked about if the Leafs go out and get a goalie at the deadline. Is that a big risk? Are there any notable names out there? I'll start with you, Alino. Last week, we we briefly talked about it. We talked about Reimer, talked about Flurry. I doubt Flurry's coming here, but between, other than those two, like a Montembeau, and there's a couple other guys out there that have teams have called for. Do you see the Leafs hitting that emergency button after what we've seen the last like month of Mrazic? Guy just has not looked in it at all. Yeah, I think. Reimer actually could be a possibility. It just depends on what they would give up for him. But if not him, I'd go hard for Jonathan Quick. I know LA's playing well. like They've really turned it around. But I think that's a guy, if you can bring in, I think him and Campbell, they know each other well. The chemistry as a 1A, 1B situation. Maybe Campbell plays more. But if you can have a veteran like Quick back there, I think that would be a, a lot more calming for Leafs management going forward in the playoffs. Give us back Jersey too in the process, retain half a fucking quick salary. But uh, yeah, I I could see them making a depth move. Um, I heard I heard briefly on Overdrive yesterday that they wanted a fucking first round pick and a top prospect for Flurry. And right away, I'm just like, well, you guys can go fuck yourself. So I I like the Rimer one, someone in that range, just like. I still like Mrazic and feel like he can pull it around, but like both of them, Campbell's hurt now, but Mrazic's been in such a bad fucking stretch. I I feel like they'll make another move like that just to, it's like putting a Band-Aid over a fucking knife wound. They might do something for there. 
I could see them getting a top, another defenseman too for depth. So for trades, yeah, just more depth for the Leafs. But yeah, I think they'll fuck with the goaltending. Uh, I brought it up last week, Pinello to Alino. I mentioned Varlamov. Do you oh. do you see do you see them potentially moving off from Varlamov because Sorokin? The more I watch him play, I think he's now the, he's basically the Saros of the Islanders. He's going to be the starting goalie any minute now. Varlamov has played relatively well in the limited games he's played, but he still does have a no movement clause, and we all know what's happening with the Russians. So, um, I mean, like if you're the Leafs, do you take a flyer on Varlamov if you hit that emergency button, or do you go with the more cheaper approach with Reimer, who has that history here? Because I love Reimer. I don't. I don't really know what I would expect from a 34, 35 year old Reimer. I really don't. Oh God, is he that old now? Yeah, he's he's up there, man. <laughs> Ste- like Steph Curry him. just turned thirty four yesterday. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Valino, <laughs> Reimer's your boy. What are you thinking, buddy? I love it. Bring Reimer back. He knows what it's like to be in this environment. I think he's uh, up for the challenge again. If they bring him back, I think everyone would see, you know what, maybe it wasn't too bad when Reimer was in net and they're seeing Mrazek play the way he's playing. You know what, I would have Reimer back in a heartbeat. Up and down Reimer, performances all over the place. I think the more veteran Reimer would uh, probably play better. So I think he's an upgrade over Mrazek. Talked about... uh... Mrazic and Freddie matching up. Picture the Leafs get Reimer and we play Florida in the first round and Buddy gets to face his old team. Take him the fuck out. Well, that would be a story in itself. I actually have a couple other goalies that I want to mention too because this actually intrigues the shit out of me. He's just started getting his feet going in the NHL. He's on Ottawa. He's the second string goalie, not Matt Murray, Anton Forsberg. He's at $900,000 if you really want to go with the cheap option. 29 years of age. Let's say Calgren, you know, he's he had, he played well against Arizona the other night. No one really knows who he is yet. Joseph Wall, I don't know why they haven't called him up. I think I would maybe give him a shout over a Mrazic at the moment. But if you're the Leafs, this is the funniest thing that I've ever heard because he's only getting $2 million. He was a Vesna candidate for like five years in a row. Pinello, I know you're going to laugh when I say this guy's name. Not Marc-Andre Fleury, but how about the Leafs going out and getting a call for Braden Holtby. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, why not? Yeah. What's his deal? You said two mil? Two million dollars. That was from the – was that from the Vancouver signing? It was, yeah. He, he's And he's playing relatively well, man. He's played only – well, he's only played 24 games because Ottinger is a freak now. He's the best goalie on that team. And he's got a 9-15 save, so it's not too bad. And he's rested, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's we, – we've seen him over I don't know how many years now. Great starting goalie. Now he's a nice little backup. But, yeah, he's a guy where if you threw him in a couple of nights and said, hey, buddy, we need you to carry us tonight. Maybe not all the time, but I think he still has that ability. Um, he would, yeah, he would be coming back up. So, for the money, for him, and for the experience, what he brings, shit, I would look at it. It's a risky one though, because you know what he's done in the playoffs, but you also know the way he's played recently. I think just his recent performances haven't really lived up to what he was in the past on Washington and ever since he's joined Dallas, it's like it looked like it was going to be a fresh start, but I don't know. It's way too risky. I think Mrazic would uh, unfortunately be the better option there. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to experiment at this point because we've been so bad. It's just, like, I know it can't get any worse at this point for the Leafs in terms of defense. Like they've been ranked 31st in goals again since January 1st and goals I think goals allowed like overall in since January 1st, I think we're 29th. So, and of course the other, the other three teams are Seattle, Arizona, and Montreal. So the bottom of the bottom. So, I mean, Holtby would be a good shout at 2 million. Anton Forsberg, I think is a low risk, high reward type of guy as well, just for the year. Um, but I want to move on to another team, another unreal race that we're seeing in the Western conference 
Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, they have Connor McDavid. They have Leon. That's nice. But they might not even make the playoffs this year because you know what? I'm going to blame this. I'm going to point a finger here. Ken Holland, you got to do your job, man. You, you, you have Koskinen and Smith. You've had them for three years now. Enough is enough. If I'm Connor McDavid, I'm knocking on that door and saying, listen, man, there are some intriguing goalie options. Look at the Leafs. Look at us. The battle of these Canadian teams trying to go get a goalie. I think it's a perfect fit for guys like Varlamov, Holtby, Flurry to go there. They're battling for their playoff lives with Vegas, with Dallas, with Vancouver. This is the easy question I'll ask to start, but then I'll kind of expand on it. I'll start with you, Pags. Does Edmonton make the playoffs with the same goalie tandem they have now? With the same tandem? Um, I'll, I'll say yes. Not not confidently. I think they could still get in. Um, mainly, I'm really just thinking of Drysaddle and fucking McDavid carrying them there. And uh, But, yeah, Oilers are... Similar situation. They could use another goalie. <laughs> Not a whole lot available, but it would be for depth at this point. But like we were talking before, like this is a very disappointing division, with the exception of like one team. And uh, I don't. I just feel like Edmonton should be doing much better. And if I am Connor McDavid, when the fuck's my deal up? <laughs> oh, is there for a long time? <laughs> just like Zachy. Zachy's there in the lineup. There, good pro. And I think that signing is looking, it looks good from the start. And then as the season goes on, it's like, you know what? We could have paid that money for an elite goal scorer. Or maybe, you know, other guys were available like Freddie Anderson who goes to Carolina. I think uh, they're going to regret not really taking their time and evaluating the options. Like Duncan Keith was a good trade. But other than that, it's like, what are they going to be doing in the crunch time of the playoffs? And they can't be really confident with that goalie tandem. No, not at all. I agree there. I I think this is where he has to put his foot down finally. I know two years ago they made a deal for, for Markstrom, but they backed out, and look how it's panned out for for uh, Calgary. He's uh, probably a top-five goalie in the league. I know for the longest time he wasn't looked at as that starting goalie. Me and Pinello have had these talks numerous times. We were kind of in between of, is he for real? Is he just another Bennington? We had no idea, but He's looking for real. He leads the league in shutouts this year. And Calgary has arguably been the best team in the whole NHL since January 1st. And they haven't looked back. They have the best line in hockey. Yes, it's not the Boston line anymore. It's now the, the line in Calgary with Lindholm, Goudreau, and Kachuk. Like those guys. Lindholm is all of a sudden a bona fide goal scorer. He's got, the guy's got 30 goals already. He's up probably for a, a Selkie. He's just improved defensively tremendously. Um, but I want to talk about the LA Kings because, again, Pinello, you bring up disappointment in the Pacific Division in terms of at least our predictions. LA has just absolutely baffled us all. They're in second place. What do you think it's been with them? Has it been the young guys in Iafalo, Kempe? Like, what do you think is gelling right? Is it just that team chemistry? or Because to me, it's still a big mystery with LA. Yeah, um, I'm on par with that. It is a mystery. They still have the same core there that they've had for I don't know how long. Quick's kind of had a resurgence, like Alino kind of brought up earlier. Maybe the Leafs should look at that. Kopitar's still rolling. Uh, Doughty, like, these guys are still going, and they're just they're moving in pieces like they've always been since the early 2010s. So I, I still expect them to fall off at some point, but holy shit, yeah, like, they're still surprising people. I don't really have an answer for you there. Can you imagine a Byfield like just tears it up? That's what they need. Just Byfield to come in. They had high hopes when they drafted him and they're taking their time. It looks like with him, but if he really comes in and just tears it up, I think LA is a completely different team and they could be a playoff team that maybe gets through one round. I don't think they can win it all. They're missing a lot of pieces, but if you got Kopitar quick, Doughty going and, then some of your young players coming up, I think they could be a team that surprises someone in the first round. Yeah, dude, even Alex Turcott is a guy that I think is going to be a game changer. I don't know when, but eventually. And you have Gabriel Velarde, who's not the best skater, but he can still be a third-line center. So 
Yeah, there's a lot of question marks with LA. I know their core is around 31, 32. Well, I mean, Kopitar is what 36 now. He's, he's a he's a savvy vet that continues to produce. It doesn't matter what year it is. It could be 2011, 2020, 2016. He's just getting the points every single night. But I want to go to a now a controversial take, and I'm going to start this one with Pinello because before we went on, we had to talk about it a little bit. Jack Eichel. You know, his his tenor with, with Vegas so far has been a little hot and cold. At times, he's dominated games. At times, he's pulled the JVR card, gone completely invisible. Right now, they're in the wild card. They're tied with Edmonton technically in points and Nashville. Well, Nashville's in the top wild card with 72 points because the Central's just absolutely freaking front-loaded right now. They're having a great uh, year that division. But Jack Eichel, he chirped his old franchise saying that he never heard – that arena that loud in seven years. Pinello, is that a little petty from Jack Eichel, or do you think he has every right to talk like that? It's a little petty. It's kind of unnecessary. Like, you gave seven years of your time there, and you finally got your wish, and you're on your way out, and you're in Vegas, and you're rolling, and you're happy, and you just take a shot at them. It's just, it's like taking a shot at the fucking Coyotes. Half the arena's missing. The fans that are there are loyal. They want to see you play, and like, like it's done. It's over. You gave you gave uh, you gave a great seven years there. You did what you could. You didn't have the fucking team around you. I don't. I don't see why you have to point out the fans. The fans are the least of your worries. So, so unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he's just uh, still carrying out all that hatred from maybe the front office messing around and not trading him when they could have traded him earlier and holding him out basically. He probably felt that he could have been traded long before the season started and probably thought they were playing games with him. So uh, it held off his surgery because then he ends up, he had to wait till he got traded to Vegas to do that next surgery. And now he got it probably could have been playing the whole year. So I think he still holds that kind of hatred for Buffalo, but looking at the standings, he's on a way better team. So, think he's uh should be happy that he's out of buffalo <laughs> yeah i don't know why he had to target the fans honestly i was looking at that statement the other day and i was just laughing i'm like come on man you're you're, you're doing well buffalo is not doing well but you're doing well so don't don't kick someone when they're already down that's just not cool man um but here's another thing that's hilarious with vegas they have been on a downward spiral since eichel's been playing and I've seen some tweets where they're saying, oh, is Jack Eichel the new Taylor Hall? I just, I just started dying a laughter when I saw that. And you know what the funniest thing is? We all called this. They goofed going with Leonard over Fleury. Because what, what place would Vegas be in right now if Fleury was on the team? Let, let's just, I'm going to throw that question out there. I'll start with Alino. What place would Vegas be in right now if Marc-Andre Fleury was on this team starting? Oh, they'd be running away with the President's Trophy right now. Guaranteed. <laughs> I think they'd be battling with Colorado. Yeah, I think they'd be right there. I think they'd be in a similar situation, but it would be better than right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they'd be better than the Blues. I know the Blues have had a – again, the Blues and the Rangers are really similar, no? Like – Two years ago, we're saying, yeah, they're going to retool. Yeah, they're 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 a borderline, you know, they're a bubble team. And all of a sudden, guys like Cairo, Robert Thomas leading the way there. A lot of people are just, yeah, let's forget about David Perron. Like, no one's mentioned his name all year. He's been a point of game the last two, three years. So, I mean, is that a safe – is that a pretty accurate statement, you guys think? You think the Rangers and the Blues are in a very, very similar situation? Uh. Yeah, I feel like they have been too for like some years now. They're just one of those two of those teams that are you could really rely like you know what you're going to get. Like they're usually really good and they're going to make the playoffs and then we'll see from there. But yeah, they both went through stretches where it's like, okay, too fucking bad. Everyone gets their time. You guys are going to be <laughs> shit. And then 6 months later we're like, nah, never mind. Tarasenko comes back and you guys get sod and Parag comes back over and fucking everything's working out. So um yeah, and um, yeah, the, fuck, I, I completely forgot about the Krug signing, and I have never been a fan of Justin Falk. Honestly, I like it. Just seems it just seems to work. 
it just works in St. Louis. So I don't know when the hell they're falling off. Everyone's everyone over there is just really good. So yeah. Yeah, I think they need to work on what's the Vladimir Tarasenko situation. Because first it looked like he wants to get traded, then he stays and he's playing well. Then all of a sudden, no one knows what's going to go on with him. Everyone's making trade packages. I think they need to finally let their fan base know, like confirm it. We're not trading him. We're trading him. Like, what do you expect out of him? I think that whole like disconnect is kind of like what's keeping people's thoughts of okay, are they going to be rebuilding? Are they retooling? Are they just looking to move a superstar to get over the hump again? So I think they just need to address that to make it known what their plans are going forward. Yeah, and even to add, uh, you know, there's been a lot of surprises with the team in terms of just production. I know last year Buchnevich with with uh, with the Rangers was a pretty damn solid player, but you know, there's always question marks when Panarin's your your winger and, and you're producing at a rate that you never were producing at before. And all of a sudden, you scratch that guy out and you put in Jordan Cairo. This was a guy, I know he went first round, and uh, St. Louis was very high on him, and he wasn't getting the opportunity. For goodness sake, the, the top two centers are O'Reilly and Braden Shen for the longest time. They've been there set in stone, and now Cairo who, again, has that uh, versatility. He could play wing. He could play center. He's just been thriving, man, all season long. There's not a lot of guys that have been as consistent as him in terms of surprises. We were talking about Troy Terry before, how dominant he was for a majority of the year. Then he hit a wall. Uh, of course, the, the rookie, Lucas Raymond, would not be at that pace. He's also hit a wall. But guys like Jordan Cairo. They haven't hit a wall at all, and I don't know if this is a career year for him. I don't know what the future holds in terms of contract talks, but he's looking like a very skilled player for them, and I think he could put this team over the hump. Justin Falk, to me, is still a mystery. I don't know how he's doing so well. I think his offensive instincts, playing with Pareko's defensive instincts, just is a perfect match. I know him and Krug, they they rotate with Pareko and Edmondson. Like Those are the top four, I'm pretty sure, there. But, yeah, it's a big mystery with St. Louis. They're in second right now. I don't really know. I know Vili Husso has been another story of the season. He stole the starting job from Bennington, kind of like what Bennington did with Allen. So it's a, it's a recurring theme. It's been a recurring theme in the NHL the last couple of years, even if you, for example, look at what's happened in Pittsburgh over the years with it went from Flurry to Murray to Jari. So it's a continuous theme. And then you look at the Rangers, Adam Fox, incredible player. Um, like I don't even know how he got passed up twice. I don't know how that happened, but the guy's a freaking stud. Panarin never slows down. Zabanejad, Kreider's having a freaking monster year. So, yeah, both teams are thriving. But um, who do you think out of the two is going to go further in the playoffs this year? Because Shesterkin, he's a hard nominee. Vili Husso, a great surprise. Who do you think is going to go farther here? Because I think the Rangers have maybe have the tougher the tougher matchup, but the West is just as hard as the East this year, man. And Colorado being shorthanded right now, I think the Blues could take advantage. Just pulling up the standings here, because it's uh, it's really all about matchups at this point. So I think they're both pretty even teams, but um, if the Rangers got Pittsburgh in the first round. I like, I still don't know just because of everything Pittsburgh's been doing. Um, man, who would the, who would the blues play right now? Played Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota. Yeah. That would be a great series. Uh, you know what? I still feel like the Rangers maybe, but like not by much. It's by a hair. They're both in similar. Like, I feel like they could both go out in the first round or they could both go really far. <laughs> it really depends who they play. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Like, what about um, what about a team like Nashville? Are we taking them seriously with like the Blues in the Wild? Because I feel like they could take oh, either man. of those teams out. Nah, eh? <laughs> no. Uh, maybe last year, but I don't. Know. I don't like what I see out of them this year. Unfortunately, I think they're slipping. You know what's funny? I I was gonna say yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, Guys like Johansson, Duchesne, they haven't been playing this well since we were like 20 years old. 
So it's good to see, you know, maybe not 20, maybe like 22, but Duchesne has had a great comeback year. Roman Yossi, I don't care what anybody says. They're on the hype of Makar and Fox and all these young D. Yossi to me is still a top five D in the league. The guy's almost at 20 goals already. Uh, Philip Forsberg, kind of like Alina, what you mentioned with Tarasenko, for the longest time there was that storyline of, oh, is he getting traded? Are we re-signing him? What does David Poyle want to do? And he's been thriving all year. He has the third best goals, um, the goals ratio in terms of games played. That's a very surprising stat and a very impressive stat. He's looking like the Forsberg of four years ago. So you know what? Alino, I know you say nah. I'll say yeah. If if Nashville can play a solid defensive game, they could, you know you get a great yeah, dude. UC Soros, a hell of a goalie. If they can face a Minnesota team who again is as good as they are, they don't really have that experience with this core. Guys like Parisi and Suter are gone. They've gone a complete uh, complete new team. Spurgeon, obviously, he's the experienced vet with Dumba there, but everyone else like Erickson, that Greenway, Kaprasov. They're all young, younger type of guys that don't have that experience. So, you know what, um, Piniello, I don't know if you agree with me or disagree. You're kind of the guy in the middle here. But I'll say, yeah, I think Nashville can surprise a team like Minnesota first round. It's so tough. I just feel like for Nashville, they, they might want to avoid Colorado because the ads are probably thinking about, hey, these guys fucked us up a few years ago before we really popped off. So I feel like the ads would kill them in four, honestly. Um but other than that, it's very close. Yeah, so to answer your original question, I'll say the Rangers go further than the Blues. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kaprasov <laughs> worries me. <laughs> if you're like a opposing team, I'd be worried about Kaprasov. That's the only reason why I say like, nah, because if he starts getting going, he's probably a guy looking around like he got that big contract. He's probably, is there another uh, big market team that'll be willing to trade for me at the draft? get his name out there, go to a big market. I see Kaprasov being like a Gabrick. As soon as that deal's done or close to it being done, it's going to be looking for some trade offers to the big cities. <laughs> That's good shit, boys. Uh, we're going to move on now to the NBA. Uh, we saw yesterday, I want to start this off non-Raptor related because I watched the full game last, uh, yesterday. You had Denver versus the Sixers, Joel Embiid versus Nikola Jokic and Holy shit, man, it did not disappoint. Jokic and, and Embiid were just going back and forth all game. Forget about James Harden at this point. It's Embiid's team. It always has been, at least this year. The battle of the MVPs did not disappoint. Jokic had a big, big stop late in the fourth, and, of course, he got, I think, four consecutive points for them to get the win. Is the race a little closer than we think? Because I've seen a lot of analysts just confirm it is Embiid's trophy to lose at this point, but... Man, Jokic the last week, he has been piling up the stats. Every advanced stat, he has an edge over Joel Embiid. But what did you guys think on the matchup yesterday? And do you think Jokic has a strong case to win the MVP? Um, yeah, I, for sure. I think he's got a case. I feel. I honestly feel like they have mentioned 20 fucking names throughout the year for MVP. Just how the season kind of fluctuates of how guys get hot and stuff like that. Like, I went to Giannis, and I went to Steph, Embiid, Jokic. But, yeah, Jokic definitely has a case. I mean, when him and Embiid go up against each other, it's always fun. Um, I think at this exact moment, I'm probably taking Embiid. Ask me in a week, we'll fucking see. That's just kind of how it's been. But, uh, yeah, man, when, when those two guys match up, you got to tune in. Yo, I'm a Joker fan. Got him in fantasy. I'm riding with the Joker. So Embiid, nah. Out for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll still go with Embiid. I think, I think Jokic is a sneaky option there because it, it, it gives me Giannis last year vibes where he already won it twice. And it's like, yeah, you know, just give it to someone else. Like, I feel like they're they're saying that about Jokic. Like, no, no, this guy's not a one and done MVP. Like, he's that good, Jokic. He can get two in a row. I wouldn't be surprised, but I feel like everyone else is like, nah, nah, he can't, he can't get two in a row. He's not, he's not Giannis. He's not, he's not that good. And it baffles my mind. I don't know if people think he's not marketable. I don't, I don't know what it is, but 
All I've heard, Embiid, Embiid, Curry, Morant, DeRozan, Embiid, Embiid, Embiid. That's all I've heard. I have not. Jokic and Giannis get a little sprinkle of love here and there, but I think there's a lot of disrespect in terms of Jokic. He doesn't get mentioned nearly as much as he should. He's averaging 27, 13, and 8. <laughs> as a center, it's, it's ridiculous. He's the best playmaking center of all time. The passes he was making yesterday the clutch plays, the clutch shooting, the clutch leadership, everything that he makes Malone's job a joke. And they don't even have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. He's doing a lot more with a lot less. Give me Jokic to win the MVP right now. I think he's a very undervalued guy right now in terms of the MVP voting. I know when it comes down to it, we can't make the votes. It comes down to the people in the National Basketball Association. But damn it, man. Uh, Yesterday... I think now we got to start realizing that the race is not, it's not as far off as we thought. Like a lot of people, Embiid, Embiid. I think Jokic, yesterday he proved the point. And I think it's going to be really solid. Oh, I think we lost Pinello. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's all good. I think he'll come back. But uh, we're going to keep it going here. The Raptors, man, they've won four straight games. And if I tell you the four teams they beat, You're going to be like, yeah, that's typical Toronto. They beat, you ready for this? They beat the Suns. They they beat the Spurs, the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Lakers. All in a row after losing to the Cavs, the Magic, and the Pistons. (laughs) They lost to the Pistons and the Magic in back-to-backs. Alino, what have your your thoughts been with the Raptors the last four wins? Uh, do you think they're this good of a team, or because again, I, all I hear all year are the you know the top five teams in the East. You hear you hear the Bulls a lot. You hear the Celtics. You hear the Sixers. You hear the Nets, and you hear uh, the Bucks and the Heat. So seven teams. You you don't hear the Raptors enough. They just won. They, again, yes, they lost to the Pistons and the Magic, but you know they come back. They beat the Nuggets away. They beat Phoenix away. And they beat the Lakers away all in a row. Very impressive win. So I'll start with you, Alino. What do you think with the Raptors team right now? And do you see them as a threat moving forward? Oh, yeah, I do. I think uh, once they get rolling, they've had their rough patches during the year. I think it's kind of not a surprise to some people because they do have young players coming in and out of the lineup. But once they get more consistent, I think the Raptors are this good and I see them making some noise in the playoffs. Maybe they don't win a round, but I don't think it's going to be like a sweep where they're just handing a win to another team. I think they're going to be in a hard-fought series, whoever they play. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Scotty Barnes and OG uh, play together in meaningful minutes because the playoffs, they can get a little bit more lenient with some of the calls. So it's going to benefit those two more. And uh, maybe the Raptors get past the first round. That would be interesting just to see a team that everyone says needs a center badly, they can get somebody to emerge there. Could be uh, the best thing for them going forward. Yo, you know what? What if we get that six spot and then we end up playing the Bucks, assuming they fall? Would you be happy with that matchup? Because oh, you know what? Every time we, I don't know, man. I feel like Giannis, yeah, it's fucking Giannis. Sure, Middleton. But like, we always beat them. I don't know. I'm pretty confident there. Yeah, dude, honestly, I was listening to a pod not too long ago, and yeah, a similar guy had a similar answer. He said, you know, if you're Milwaukee and you're, you know, you're battling, maybe you even at this point in time, you don't know if the Raptors are a playing team. You don't know if they're going to get the sixth spot. But regardless, if you're a team like Milwaukee and you're in the top three and you look down the, the standings and you see that you're aligning with the Raptors, I'd be sweating a bit. Uh, Giannis, you know, great, great dude. The guy's a freak. He's already a top seventy-five player all time at twenty-seven years old. But man, like you talk about the defensive prowess that the Raps have when healthy. OG Scotty Barnes, Siakam could probably all attempt to guard him. Uh, I, I I would like our chances against Milwaukee, honestly. And this is not even me being biased. You, you got to look at the results, man. We've we've had their number for years now. But, um, yeah, I, I quickly said, uh, Pinel, before you, we, we lost you for a second there, what did you think initially between the games that you just witnessed? With Phoenix, we beat Phoenix. I know Trent went off 42 points. Uh, then we go in and we beat Denver away. And then, and of course, last night we, we, 
17-2 run to start the game against the Lakers. Uh, what did you make of these last three games, and what have you thought of uh, Scotty Barnes the last uh, ever since the, after the All Star break? Man, he's been uh, he's been a different monster. Yeah, I actually fucking love this team. I love the way we are constructed. Like whenever we lose games, it's because of rebounding and our shot is off. It's never because of effort. Like the way these guys work together, I feel like they would be a matchup nightmare going forward. Like like Scotty and OG and Pascal on the fucking wings is terrifying. From Scotty, like um, I, I think it was he went down with the knee injury before. And then it kind of took him a little bit to get back into the groove. And the last, like, I don't know, two, three weeks or so, he's just been so good. I think some of that has been uh, OG coming out of the lineup because now they're actually fucking running some plays for Scotty. But, like, once OG comes back, that's a defensive fucking nightmare. So, yeah, it's not like – it's not – you'd rather not lose to the Pistons and to the fucking Magic, but beating Phoenix and, and smoking the Lakers, like, and getting one on Denver, like that's, man, these are good signs. This is good stuff. Alino, uh, we were talking a bit before about past, the MVP. Like... Yeah, go for it, buddy. Oh yeah, do you think you, they can get past them though? Like I don't know, Milwaukee. They do have a lot of matchups that wouldn't be the best. Do you think like this kind of team? with uh Barnes as a rookie could do it like pull off an upset it's a long shot I it's possible it really is a long shot I think we would give him a fight though just because of um it's kind of that mental game we're playing off of like even going back to when we beat them in the first round a few years back I just feel like there's there's something there with Toronto and Milwaukee it's obviously it's it's probably way too much to ask of Scotty to fucking <laughs> to guard Giannis on and off but He's got that ability. He's gonna he's gonna make mistakes along the way, but slight chance, the slightest chance we take him out. Yeah, I think best case scenario, Alino, if you're a Raptor fan, is you you continuously you continue you continuously cheer for teams like the Bulls and the Cavs to win. Continuously win, they they jump the standings, and then the Raps can get a matchup against you know the Bulls or the Cavs. And I think the Raps honestly can beat the Cavs no problem. I, I mean. Maybe with Jared Allen in the lineup, it's a lot more difficult. But, like, Garland doesn't have that experience. Karis LeVert, yeah, you know, he's had a couple playoff runs with with the Nets, but he do, he also doesn't have that experience either. Kevin Love is probably the only guy. If I'm, I mean, he – come on, let's be honest. He's not the same player he was, but I still have nightmares from those Cavs series back in the day. So, I mean, if you're the Raps fan, I know – I still think we could beat Milwaukee if we're really motivated, really committed, and our shots are sinking. Fred Van Fleet is still – I still think he's at like 80%, not even. Um, he still looks a little slow out there. But you know who our X Factor is, guys, and agree with me or not? I'm going to say two names here. I'll go with Thaddeus Young. What I saw with him the other night, he looked like a flat-out problem against the Spurs and against the Nuggets. And then, of course, Gary Trent Jr., man. He has to make those shots consistently because there's games – I know he's still young. He's still got a lot of growing to do, but there's some games he'll shoot like three of 18 from three, and you just can't do that. That just doesn't elevate the team at all. So that's what I think. I think if if you're if we're rap fans here, I think the best matchup right now is Milwaukee, if we're thinking realistically. But if the Cavs or the Bulls can climb the standings and the Raps can finish sixth, I think uh I think we could take both of those teams too. I don't I don't know if it's gonna match up. It's probably unlikely, but I would love to get Boston back. I don't know about you guys. Oh, uh, I know I it's fucking. I don't Tatum think so. Down. It's <laughs> tough. I know. And like we, we're missing, uh, we're missing who from that last series? We're missing Lowry. We're missing Powell. La Lowry so, and Smart was that unreal matchup. I think it like it was Smart. They also had man, Kemba at that time, right? They did. They did. Yeah, he was a big factor too. But dude, they got Al Horford back. They got Marcus Smart playing arguably the best ball of his career. Um, Tatum, I just like this guy's because he dropped fifty four on KD. I I don't know. I really don't know, man. Like they got Thice back, like you mentioned before with the trade deadline. They got Derek White. I don't know yeah, if I want to face Boston. Boston. It's a tough one, I know. But like, just uh, 
just from a personal standpoint, like one day, like you fucking, we're going to get you back for that fucking series, that bullshit bubble series. OG buzzer beater. <laughs> That's my idea. fall. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Larry with the greatest inbound of all time. Oh, my. Oh, my God, yeah. Other than that, you guys have anything else to add? Alino, I know you wanted to mention uh, quickly some wrestling news. Oh, yeah, last night, uh, Cody Rhodes, another tease there on Raw. Throughout the night, like these subtle little teases, and then right at the end there when Seth Rollins has no path to Mania, uh, they close the show with uh, the dashing liners, dreams are dashed, and uh, they were in Jacksonville, so a lot of people were thinking, why the hell didn't you bring Cody in for that if he's going to wrestle Seth? So next week's in Chicago, uh, Monday Night Raw. So do you think they got to bring him in at this point if they keep teasing him? Because uh, it looks like Seth won't be ha- having a match at Mania. You know what? Uh, I, I would love – I think it's kind of like – Everyone has an idea that it's going to happen. So, like, I would love to see Seth troll it for a little while. Seth should come out week after week and put out, like, an open challenge for Mania. And then the guy comes out and he's like, nah, you're not on my level. And then just walk away. And then on, like, the fourth attempt, Cody comes out and he's like, what about me, motherfucker? WrestleMania, let's go. So... (laughs) Yeah. You know know what's funny? Uh, Yeah, you either go with that approach... Or call me crazy, Alino. I could see them doing it literally the same day, like at the show. Like Seth being backstage, mm-hmm. like going crazy, going berserk backstage. Like he's like maybe knocking on Vince's door and then you just see like Cody walk out and, and Seth's like, give me a match. And then Vince is like, oh, glad I ran into you. You're going to face Cody Rhodes tonight. And I don't know. Like I feel like that would be lazy, but at the same time, that'd be entertaining. And I think that would boost up the, the the audience for Mania too. So I see both ways working out. <laughs> I think just based off of Seth Seth's character recently, I think what Pinello said would be a little more accurate. Imagine he uh, does an open challenge and Shane McMahon comes out instead. Oh my god! That I don't even. That's like a turn the that's not even like a heat thing. That's like a turn the channel kind of thing. Like, are you fucking kidding me again with this? Yeah, it's it. it's hard, man. Like I, I said to Alino last week, you know, with the whole Stone Cold and Kevin Owens thing, and they had that great tag team match and they almost won the tag title. I actually thought they were gonna win them and they didn't win. They gave it back to RK Bro and it's intriguing, obviously, because a guy like Seth Rollins, we like Pinello, you called him Mr. WrestleMania. So I think they could build a storyline off of this. If it's not Cody Rhodes, though, like it's going to be underwhelming. That's the only problem. I think anybody else other than Cody at this point in time, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, all right, I guess. Like, we'll, we'll go with it. Like, I heard rumors that it might be Finn Balor. I I don't want to see Finn Balor versus Seth for the U.S. T- like I don't. I I know <laughs> I know the U.S. title has been like irrelevant for the longest time, and oh, it would boost the fucking title. But uh, nah, <laughs> that's not giving it a pass here. I don't I don't want to see that shit. I'm sorry, not at WrestleMania, not for not a last second stupid build for the U.S. title. I'm not doing that. So I guess I'll start. Alino, do you see it being anyone other than Cody? Like, if anyone, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, it has to be Cody now. I think next week he'll probably debut, uh, or not, or debut like return because it's in Chicago. They're gonna probably chant CM Punk at least once or twice throughout the night. So if you get Cody going in, gives them something to turn their attention. I thought Austin would be the one to return, but because they already announced them for Mania already in that video, I think they're just gonna keep until Mania at this point. So. I got Cody coming in next week to kick off the one and a half week build for Mania because they don't even need really a build. I think one Raw, like him showing up the next week, they have one little promo and there's their match on the Sunday night. So I don't think it needs to be long build up anyway. So Cody uh, is the one I'm going with. Is there even anyone left on the Raw roster that he could like? So you said Finn Balor, but like, yeah, but. 
like unless a legend comes back, like how Stone Cold did with Owens, I don't see Seth anywhere else, honestly. Yeah, dude, like it's tough. Like this is a situation that I said for the longest time that would happen. You you tease it with Roman at the Rumble. You know, he gets disqualified. He basically, I like how he did it. You know, he attacked Rollins with the chair, like how Rollins did it all those years ago with Roman. But it just kind of left the fans like, oh, that's it. Like he's not going to get his moment uh, or he's not going to get a rematch. And he never did. And again, it looks like I said this numerous pods that, yeah, you know, if you insert Rollins, the story's there, it, it, it could work out, but clearly they're not doing that. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely concerning if it's not, if it's not Cody, I don't know who the hell it is, but I guess that's the intriguing part of the whole situation. But I, regardless if Seth Rollins takes on, Cody Rhodes or a freaking broomstick, it's going to be five-star anyway. Boom. Imagine Goldberg re-signs a new deal. No, man, <laughs> Shows why, up. why? Why Why Goldberg? Why, man? Come Goldberg on. So good. You could have said Jinder Mahal. <laughs> oh, Veer is supposed to be coming. The vignettes. He's been teasing that for like over a year, that Veer's coming to Raw. <laughs> but... uh Maybe he makes it a Seth's opponent. He's just like, nah, have a match first. Well, anyways, you guys have anything else to add? Alino, Pinello? I think we're good. We're good, buddy. All right, guys. That was a fun one today. It was quite a long one. We said it would be short. Yeah, never really short. Um, but yeah, that was it. Episode 169. Today we quickly talked about Matthew's suspension, talked about the Leafs' goaltending issues for like the third straight week, um, talked about Seth Rollins' potential WrestleMania opponent being Cody Rhodes, a guy that's not even on the roster yet. And, of course, we talked about the, MV the MVP race and the Raptors thriving recently. So with that being said, this is In the Zone. Episode 169, signing out.